Well, I wish we could have just found a way to make it really clear what we were going to be talking about, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, you know. Now, it, it, it's one of these things that you're like, look at this and go, okay, wow, we're, we're, that's what we're going to, yes, it is, it is what we're going to talk about. In fact, you have an enemy, and the enemy is not who you've been thinking that it is. See, the enemy is not the family member that owes you money. The, the, the enemy is, is not that annoying neighbor. It's not even the, the co-worker that, that you keep finding yourself in competition with. It, it's not your ex-spouse. That, that's, that's not who your enemy is. And, and that we've got we've to stop blaming different entities and different things that, that for us, it's, it's not the enemy's not the economy. The, the enemy for us, it's, it's not a politician or a political party. That the enemy, it's, I know this is going to be a stretch, but it's not your HOA. <laughs> that, that we do, we, we do have an enemy and we need to understand who our enemy is. And the enemy is Satan, also known as the devil. That, that is who our enemy is. And, and the devil, he... He knows your name. He knows your fears. That, that he knows what you worry about. He knows your weaknesses. And he's coming after you. And when he comes after us, he, he targets our minds. And he targets our minds by, by stirring up shame. He targets our minds by delivering doubts. That he targets our minds by instigating insecurities. And in dealing doubts, this is how he attacks. And when we look at him and how he attacks, the greatest deception of all time is Satan convincing people he doesn't exist. And it is the greatest deception of all time. In fact, I'm pretty confident that there are several of you here today that you're not convinced that he's real. That you're not convinced that he exists. That, that maybe you look at this and go, well, at, at best, it's just this kind of a thought that should help kind of maybe motivate us, and maybe that's why that's there. But you go, eh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really convinced that, that Satan is real. Well, I am convinced, and so you're going to get my biased opinion today as we look at this, and even the next couple of weeks as we continue to talk about, a.k.a. the devil, as we look at this. And, and, and I, hope, I hope that you're going to be convinced by the time you leave here, if you're not already, that he is real. I hope that you're going to be convinced by the time you leave here today. See, there's this battle. And this battle that you and I, that we find ourselves in, it isn't against people. That's not who our battle is with. And we need to be reminded of this. Because if we don't get reminded of this, the way that we treat people, that we think are our enemies, we're going to treat them more harshly than what we ever should. And it's why we need to understand who the enemy is. And our battle is with a fallen angel who has a proper name, Lucifer. That that is who our battle is with. And that when it comes to Lucifer, Lucifer, he's, he's one of three archangels that we can read about in the Bible. And an archangel is, is the angel that has the highest authority and has the highest command. 
And we only get three of those by name, and he is one of them. And he is a fallen angel. See, he had a role. And when he was in heaven, his role was to be the lead worship angel. That he would lead all the angels in worshiping God. But, but while he's doing this, somewhere along the way, he starts falling in love with this idea of worship for himself. Is, is that he wanted to be the object of worship. And he didn't want to direct others, the other angels, into worshiping God. He wanted to direct them into worshiping him. And God said, that's not acceptable. And so he cast him from heaven. And a third of the angels with him who had already become convinced that they would rather worship Lucifer than worshiping creator God. This is who our battle is with. And if you're joining us for the first time, you might be thinking, what kind of church is this? Yeah, I, I thought we were going to come here and we were going to hear about God and, and Jesus and, and we're just talking about the devil. I mean, what kind of church is this? We are the kind of church that we want to teach the Bible. And when we look in our Bible, we have a lot of details about this great enemy and details that we need to understand because we are in a battle. And so this is not going to be an encouraging series. This isn't going to be, I can't wait to go to church so I can feel good. But it's going to be an equipping series where you are going to get equipped. How is it that I can stand up against my great enemy? How is it that I can be victorious? The, the devil, a.k.a., we need to know him for who he is. And during the series, we're going to look at three different identities of him. And so the devil, a.k.a. the deceiver, who attacks your mind with lies. That's what we're going to be talking about today is, is the deceiver and who he is as the deceiver. We're going to be looking at the accuser who attacks your spirit with allegations. These accusations, these allegations against you. And we're going to be looking at for the devil, a.k.a. the destroyer. And the destroyer what? Who attacks your heart with pride. And so that's what we're going to be looking at during this series. And we are being deceived. We have been deceived. We might be deceived again by the devil. And so let's look in our Bible. We're going to look at a few different places together. But we're going to start in the book of John. It's in our New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. It's one of the accounts that talks about the life and times of Jesus. We get more words of Jesus in the Gospel than, than any other time in our Bible. And so we're going to start in John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. So he's got a crowd. They're all listening. And he's telling them, you are truly my disciples, you're truly my followers, you're truly my students, you're truly interested in learning from me, if, and he puts this condition out there, and, and, the, and the big condition is, is if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, one of the ways that you and I have been deceived 
is we've been deceived into thinking the truth doesn't set us free. Haven't we? There's been times when we're like going, I know the truth. And we even think this, I should probably tell you the truth. But if I tell you the truth, that's not going to set me free. It's going to set the relationship on fire. It's going to set my career on fire. It's going to mess things up. And so we go, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deliver the truth. That's one of the ways that we've been deceived. See, Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this freedom is one of the things, as Jesus said this, that begins to be questioned. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. Now, now Abraham, he is this guy that God singled out, said, Abram, I want to use you, and I'm going to start a nation. The Israelites, they didn't exist. There wasn't the nation of Israel without God singling out Abram and starting this nation. He changed his name to Abraham. So he starts with him. And, and, and they look at this and they go, we are the descendants of Abraham. They said, we have never been slaves to anyone. And what do you mean you will be set free? They're like, oh, we're, we're, we're free now. And this generation of people, we've never been slaves. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone. If you become a slave and you just keep coming back, you are a slave. You are captive to it. Verse 35, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son, talking about himself, capital S, so if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because there is no room in your hearts for my message. That these people were rejectors of Jesus. Saying, we don't believe that you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the chosen one, you're the one that we've been expecting. They didn't believe it and they were rejectors of Jesus. Verse 38, I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father. But you are following the advice of your father. And if you look up there and you read that, you'll see that father, one is capitalized and one is not. That Jesus referring to his father, he's talking about God the father. And he says, that, that's my father. But you guys are following your father And that's a little F, Father, that you guys are following. Verse 39. Our father is Abraham, they declared. Maybe they broke out into song. Father Abraham had many sons. You know, I I don't know. I I don't know if this is when the song was written. But but they're like going, hey, that's our father. So they're like okay with this little F, Father, because they're saying, hey, our father is Abraham. They don't go back before him and go who his father was because God started the nation of Israel with this man. And so they go, that's our father. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Jesus said, that's not your father. Instead, you are trying to kill me. Because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. 
There were, there were some that were going, hey, we're, we're just half-breeds, and, and so we really don't. And they're going, no, no, we're not illegitimate. We are. And they're trying to defend themselves here. And as we look at this, verse 42, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I have come to you from God, and I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. And he says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things that he does. That he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, parents, you might be in here and have some of your young kids in here. And you're like going, oh, why are you using that word liar? Oh, I tell my kid all the time not to say that. I'm just sharing with you what Jesus said about who Satan is. That it's one of the things that he is known a liar. He is deceiver is who he is. C.S. Lewis, an apologetist, and he's a guy that he would defend the scripture and help people understand truths about scripture. And he wrote in this Christian Reflections, he wrote this. He said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Now, when I look and I can read these words that Jesus was speaking, and, and if Jesus is talking about Satan, the devil, as somebody who is real, then it is something that for me I am so easily convinced that Jesus, if you've been in heaven and you've come to earth and now you're here and you're telling, I just trust what Jesus says. That when you've got a, a Bible that's a red letter edition and you get to read the words in red, those are the words that Jesus spoke. And, and, and if it's in red, for me, it's, it's okay. That's, that's absolutely truth. You know, you know what we say? It's, it's gospel truth. You know, it, because Jesus said this. He declared this. And it's something that we should know and that we should understand. That we get introduced to Satan, not here. We actually get introduced to Satan very early on. Then the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day, he asked the woman. Now, Satan's inside of him, the serpent, okay? And he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That's his question. Is it true that God said you must not eat any of the trees, any of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? See, Satan didn't deny that God exists. He didn't deny that God had even spoken. But he just wanted Eve to question God. That's his tactic. If he's going to be able to deceive us, if he's going to find some, some victory here, then, then he's going to start with deception. And it's where he started with Eve. That, that for Satan, that, that his 
his idea of starting to deceive us starts with questions. And so when he wants us to doubt God, he starts with questions. The Satan, he has some seeds. Remember, he, he knows us by name. And so he has seeds with our name on them. But these seeds with our name on them, that's not actually what the seeds are. The seeds are seeds of doubt. And that Satan just wants to plant, and he does this very generously, plant seeds of doubt. That, that, that he wants us to doubt God, and, and he won't stop at just planting some seeds on, on the fertile soil of our heart. But then he comes along after he's planted them, and he's like, well, I, 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 will, I will take plenty of time, and I will water these seeds. And not only will he water the seeds, but he will do whatever he can to make sure they get plenty of light so they can grow. Because he wants our doubt to sprout. That, that, that whatever he can do to plant these seeds of doubt and to be able to get them to sprout. Because if they sprout, then they will produce fruit. And the fruit that they produce is the fruit of doubt. And so let's look at this and let's see Satan's fruit of doubt. And so when Satan's fruit of doubt, here's, here's three things about this that you just need to know and understand. This is all part of his plan. He's just planting the seeds of doubt, hoping that they're going to sprout, that there's going to be this fruit. And that when the fruit comes, when we look at this, Satan's fruit of doubt, God didn't really mean that for you. That, that's, that's one of the fruits of doubt. God didn't really mean that for you. I mean, yeah, you could look at that and say, it's good for them, and that's good for them, and they should too, but, but God didn't really mean that for you. It's fruit of doubt. Here's another fruit of doubt. God didn't really mean that for now. I mean, not, 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 not for now. I mean, you're, you're young. You're not married yet. You're not committed you, you, you didn't mean that for now. That, that, that's for later. He looks at it and goes, oh, but you're, you're, you're a parent. Oh, while, while you're a parent. He didn't mean that for now. And when we look at this fruit of doubt, God didn't mean, he didn't really mean there aren't exceptions. I mean, that normally and most of the time, but he didn't mean that there really aren't any exceptions. This is all from the fruit of doubt. And that it causes us to doubt God. And, and, and we have to be careful with these doubts that end up coming our way. Let, let's look at this interaction with, with Eve, verse 2. She responds, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. Did, did God really say you can't eat any is what he questioned? Of course we may eat fruit from the garden. Verse 3, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. 
that what happens right here is Eve leaves out something, a crucial piece of what God had stated, and she adds a piece that God had never said. Let's just look real quickly at the part that she added that he never said. That, that God never said, he never said anything about, you can't touch this. That, that, God didn't say that about the fruit. He said, you can't eat it, but he never said anything about, can't touch this. She added that. Satan's questioning and getting her to question. It's already causing her to doubt. What did God really say? What was the instruction? And she's already beginning to doubt. And, and this deceiving serpent, she questions Eve about God with one intention. Getting Eve to question God. And he wants Eve to question God's intent. She wants Eve to question God's honesty. He wants Eve to question God's authority. He wants Eve to question God's goodness. Because all of those questions can help sprout doubt so that there can be a fruit of doubt that would come. And every question that Satan crafts is designed to deceive us, is designed to trick us, it is designed to hurt us. But Satan, he's not playing for temporary keeps. He's playing for eternal keeps. And he is doing what he knows to do. And that, that Satan wants us to think this thought, if God really loved you, if God really loved you, wouldn't he let you have whatever you want? And here's what's interesting. Because as a parent, we know that we love our kids. And we know it's in their best interest that they don't get whatever they want. You want that? Okay, that's good for you. We're going to help you with that. You want that? Uh, no, we're going to keep you from having that. No, we're holding you back, you know, because we know. And the same is true, that, that God does love us. And he knows that there are some things that we want that they are not good for us. And so, no, this is not true that if he really loved you, that he would give you whatever you want. So now let's look at what this key thought is that Eve omitted. She added the can't touch, but what is it that she left off? We have to go back and we have to back up a chapter, Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15. But the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Look at this, freely. You are free to eat. You may freely eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can't freely eat it. You can eat it. You just can't freely eat it because it will 
cost you. And then he lays it out. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And the death that God was speaking of is an eternal death. The death that he is speaking of is is the death of the relationship that he would have with Eve and with Adam. When you question God's goodness, it's the beginning of where we stop trusting God. And when we stop trusting God, we'll stop obeying God. And it's all these strategic steps that our great enemy is doing to try to break and sever and bring a hardship between the God who created and loved us and who we are. Back to chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 4. You won't die, the servant replied to the woman. Right? What's his tactics? His tactics are, he questioned God. I'm going to start here. Eve, I want you to question God. And now that I can get you to question God, now I'm going to twist God's words. You won't won't die. He's a deceiver. And so what's he doing? He's going, I'm going to talk about the definition of death that has to do with your physical body and whether or not you're still going to be standing after you chomp into that. You won't die. And he can go, it's true. But he's not speaking to what God spoke about. Verse 5. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Again, just this twisting. And he deceives Eve to where she stops thinking or believing that she's already created in the image of God. She already has that like God. Because she was created, you and I, we are created in God's image. We have to back up to chapter 1 to, to, to be reminded of this or to find this out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we'll start here. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. There God is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in our image, to be like us, to to have reason, to have thought, to have emotion. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, then God blessed them. When you read about creation, Genesis chapter 1, God created, he spoke it, and it was all that it was good. And and you just keep following the cycle every day of creation. He never blesses any creation until he gets to humanity. He he blesses us in a way that, that nothing else has ever been blessed. We are created in his image. We are created with a soul, and we are created with eternity in mind. 
And God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Satan wanted Eve to think that God was keeping her from something. That, that, that's what he wanted her to think. That's, that's his deception. And Satan always attacks whenever he feels threatened. Which I'm hoping that will be a little convicting to some of you today. Because some of you today, up to this point, you've been going, I don't know what the big deal is. I don't know why we're talking about this. I don't ever feel any attacks. And I don't feel like Satan's doing anything in my life and working against me. That's why I question whether he's real or not. Then you're showing your hand. And the hand that you're showing is, I'm not using my life all that much for God. Not really striving to be single, laser focused on, on being who he's created me to be. Because Satan always attacks whenever he feels threatened. And if you're not being attacked, it's because he doesn't see you as a threat. That's why. Which kind of is, is a difficult thing for us to think about, right? Because like going, I don't really want to be attacked by him. And you're telling me that if I start living for God, I'm going to be attacked. Yes, you are. Well, I don't want to be attacked. Well, Right? And that's our dilemma. When Jesus was on earth, he was tempted, and we get to read about his temptation. And he was tempted before his public ministry began. So we get to see this in Matthew chapter 4, that Matthew's the one that takes the time to, to write about this and, and let us have this understanding of what took place. We'll start in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Kind of one of those things kind of hard to understand. It's kind of a head scratcher. Wait, wait, wait. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness for what purpose? To be tempted. Okay. Verse 2. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. I know it's when we read, it's kind of like, wow, it's amazing. Some people can go 40 days and nights, and, and then they become hungry? It's like, wow, I didn't know. Thank you, Scripture. I mean, we look at that and go, ugh. But, but it's kind of like a, well, duh, I kind of expected that. Verse 3, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God. And so he's got these, if you are the Son of God, temptations. And, and he starts with, if you are the Son of God, and he just points down to the stones right in front of him. He's hungry, right? Tell these stones to become bread. That, that if you're the Son of God, just tell these stones to, to become bread if, if you really are who, who, who it is that you think you are and who it is that I know you're going to try to claim to be. He said, no. So then Satan tempted him again. He said, if you're the son of God, he took him up to the highest point of the temple. He says, if you're the son of God, just, just jump down. Just, just jump off, jump down, because the angels wouldn't let anything, any harm come to you if you really are the son of God. So, so just prove it. Prove it yourself. Prove it to me. And just jump off. So he quotes some scripture to him and tells him that you don't test and tempt the Lord your God. So then Satan took him to a high point that overlooked the city. And this high point, and he's overlooking the whole city. 
sees Jerusalem right there and he says, if you are the son of God, if you really are the son of God, bow down to me and I will give this to you as your kingdom. You can have it. That this kingdom that's been given to me because Satan is the ruler of this world. That's what we find out in scripture. He's the ruler of this world. He's not the ruler of heaven, but he's the ruler of this world. And Satan's going, I'm going to tempt you, Jesus, because I know you love these people, and I know you'd rather have leadership over them and influence over them, and so I'll give them back. They can be yours. They'll be yours. I, I won't even, I'll, I'll completely, this whole city, this whole, it's yours if you just bow down to me. If you're the son of God, just bow down. We, we can just make this exchange. And at this point, Jesus said, go. Told him that he had to leave. When you are bold for your faith, Satan attacks. That, that, that when you are living your life for God, Satan attacks. When, when you spend time studying the scripture to know more about your God and who your God wants you to be, Satan attacks. When, when you make selfless decisions to honor God with your life, Satan attacks. When you shift from just attending church to becoming the church, Satan attacks. But he only attacks when he feels threatened. And we've got to make up our mind. How is it that we are going to live our lives? And when he attacks, it comes in waves. That we see what he did with Jesus. Bam, bam, bam. And what's Jesus do? He says, no. And he quoted scripture to him. I'm not going to turn these, these stones to, to bread. That when he's tempted to jump off, jump off, the angels will catch you. That, that here he just quotes scripture and tells them, you don't tempt the Lord your God. When Satan takes him to the high place and he overlooks the whole city, he says, hey, if you just bow down to me, I'll give back this part of the kingdom that, that's been given to me. That Satan tells him. I mean, Satan hears from Jesus. Get out of here. You have to leave. And at the very end of this all, verse 11, it says, then the devil went away and the angels came. And took care of Jesus. Listen, when we live our life the way God wants us to live, we are going to be attacked. But it is going to be okay. Because God is going to take care of us. Someone is going to get to be the loudest voice in your heart. It's going to be somebody. And that's somebody that's going to get to be the, the loudest voice in your heart. It's either going to be your deliverer or the deceiver. It's someone is going to be the loudest voice in your heart. And so when we look at this and the choices, it's either going to be the deliverer or the deceiver. We need to know there's a choice for us to make. And unless you focus on the voice of the deliverer, you will default to the voice of the deceiver. That it takes a focus to say, I'm going to listen to the voice 
of my deliverer. But if we just live life in default mode, the loudest voice we hear is going to be the deceiver. It's our choice of what we're going to be, what we're going to choose to listen to. And discipline is the only way to get the results that are best for us. That we have to be disciplined and focus on listening to the voice of our deliverer. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are the God who loves us. You've created us. And you desire to have this relationship with us, a relationship that is so rewarding and purpose-filled. But God, we get deceived. And we get tricked. That, that we get sidetracked. That we allow ourselves to, to lose focus and to drift into default mode. And it's in this mode that the deceiver starts to be so loud in our heart. And these seeds of doubt begin to sprout. I pray that you would, you would stir our hearts to desire to have the discipline and the focus to listen to you and to let you be the loudest voice that we would that we would turn down the voice of deception in our head and we would turn up the voice of you Jesus our deliverer so that we can experience the victorious life that you've created and intended for us to have God help us over these next couple of weeks to identify and understand more about our enemy, to know how to navigate this life and deliver it for you. Give us the courage to face the attacks and the assaults that come. And may that just be the fuel in our life to choose to live for you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.